Welcome to another episode of On The Mic, the brand new podcast show by Yahoo Singapore. If you're new to podcasts, you can use the player to start, pause and scroll through the recording. You can also continue to browse the internet in other tabs. I'm your host, Danny Osman, and today we'll be exploring the use of technology and data security amid the COVID-19 pandemic. I spoke to Ken Wong, the head of OCBC's AI lab, to find out more. Hi, Ken. How are you today? Hey, good. Yourself, Danny? I'm good. I'm good. Okay, so uh, just could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Sure. Okay. Uh, my name is uh, Ken Wong, and I head up uh, OCBC's uh, AI lab. So uh, my team, uh, we are focused on uh, building uh, AI applications for the OCBC group. Uh, these sort of AI applications include things like uh, chatbots, uh, things like AI to detect fraud and uh, even uh, AI to mm-hmm. recommend to uh, customers, you know, what are the best restaurants they might be interested to dine in, you know, once the get breaker uh, ease up, right? Mm-hmm. So those are quite interesting. But uh, as you can imagine, uh, part of our work, uh, you know, involves the use of uh, a lot of data, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just to build those uh, AI engines. And, and very often I, I get asked questions like, you know, uh, you know, how do we, you know, use data responsibly? How do we protect data privacy? You know, so I think these are conversation points that we're probably going to have today. Okay. And um, in terms of AI, what's, what's, what's the most exciting stuff that you've been working on recently or maybe you've, you've seen? I mean, with the uh, pandemic going around, I think many people are very interested in, you know, how, you know, AI has been applied to try to solve the crisis that, that we are in. So there, there are many interesting examples that I see. I, I can talk through a few of them. Um, I think first and foremost, I think uh, when when the when the cases started to spike, there was a lot of talk about uh, AI being used to forecast, you know, um, how the uh, coronavirus cases and and deaths were spread across uh, uh, the, the different cities, and and most mm-hmm. importantly, why. So um, I think uh, it's interesting because uh, you know while while the AI models is uh, it's uh, it's pretty good at um, you know looking at the uh, predicting the and forecasting the cases. I think what's more important is really the 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 the, the reasons why these cases have uh, you know some cases in certain part of the the countries is spiking versus the other. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that it's. It's uh, what the AI model is saying that it's, it's not really the country, mm-hmm. but it's really more the the policies and also the cultural norms, like yeah. like hugging and kissing, and and the other very important factor that was picked up by the AI model was also temperature as well. So those mm-hmm. are the more important uh, features and factors that uh, influence you know how the the cases are being uh, counted. Uh, I was going to ask if you've seen the stuff like the robot dog and all that being used in Singapore. I, I understand you're a Star Wars fan. So like, did you think like when you saw it, like, hey, the droids are finally here? Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we all know about the, the robot dog and uh, I, I actually stay quite close to uh, Bishan and Mokyo and, and I okay. actually wanted to go down and have a look at it. I think uh, it's, it's interesting because uh, there's uh, really two two types of AI being deployed there, right? Mm-hmm. One is uh, the the robot itself, yeah. which is uh, in itself uh, interesting, right? Because you know, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but you know, I, I do one day hope to you know get some sort of robot around the house to help me to do certain things, right? So the other part is really where the the technology is being used uh, to help fight the virus, which is the 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 
the visual part of it, right? So we use computer vision to actually see the different people, the number of people within a specific area to detect whether, you know, they are, they're too close to each other. And then mm-hmm. when they are, to broadcast some sort of uh, safety system mass, uh, messages. And I think that, that's probably the, the, um, the more relevant uh, kind of AI yeah, technology being applied there. And and how do you think people re- respond to these things? Like, um, especially like I mean, for me, it was I was super excited when I saw the physical robot because that's a thing. I'm a big fan of sci-fi movies and all that, so I'm excited when I see them. But I'm not sure. I don't know if everybody has the same reactions. Or people are like creeped out, think like, oh, it's the Terminator. Yeah, I I think I'm a, I'm with you on that. I think it's really mixed, right? So there are people like us, which is uh, the the more nerdy part of us that that say that hey, that's quite cool, but. I'm sure that there is a, also a group that uh, is a little bit more concerned about, you know, privacy, about how it's been used, about whether, mm-hmm. you know, one day, uh, you know, robots will take over the world and things like that. <laughs> so that's, that's really too good. But I, I think it, it really boils down to understanding, you know, the, the type of uh, guardrails that has been in place mm-hmm. uh, when these sort of uh, technologies are being deployed, right? Both in terms of, uh, you know, um, what we deploy the AI to do and also in terms of the data security and the privacy part of it. Okay, so right now, I mean, like um, governments around the world, they're all very aware of like value, the value of contact tracing in preventing the spread of COVID-19. And many are also looking to use technology like contact tracing apps and other forms of monitoring. Are there any possible data security concerns that could arise out of this? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure that people are, are, are concerned about it. I mean, uh, it's, it's the data being collected. So there's always this... Um, question in terms of what is being being collected and how it's being used, how it's being stored and so on and so forth. But I think if we if we just look at how Singapore has has, has been doing it and, and which which uh it broadly applies across uh um, different countries as well, there's, there's broadly two types of approach for contact tracing, right? One where everybody is probably very familiar now is uh you know what we call safe entry, where you know when you reach a certain place you have to check in and you have to disclose your your IC or mobile number before you can allow to get into, you know, the supermarket and so on and so forth. So that's, that's one type. And the other type is uh, probably more similar to what we call the trace together. And it's more of a community-driven kind of approach where, you know, um, you have to download certain apps and, you know, participating devices will exchange some kind of information just to know that you're in the proximity of, of another person, right? So if you look at these two broad categories, I think safe entry is the one, probably the one that um, uh, it's a little bit more invasive in a sense because uh, you know you, you do disclose your your personal data. But I guess uh, at the end of the day, it's it's really um, uh, who is collecting it, which is the government, and and uh, the government has probably declared that you know there there are strict uh, data security. Uh, standards being put in place, all the data is, is actually being uh, encrypted and uh, only uh, authorized uh, personnel uh, just for the purpose and intent for, of contact tracing is using the data. So after a period of time, you know, these data are probably deleted as well. Right? Um, for trace together, I think it's a more interesting uh, kind of uh, application of new technology for me, right? Because um, it, it's, it, it doesn't, you, you don't actually exchange personal information you don't even um, uh, keep uh, location data right it's essentially using uh, anonymous id when you are close to certain um, the other device that also has the app 
you essentially exchange some sort of uh, anonymous ID. And it's, it's, all these ideas are just kept inside your device uh, for, for a period of time, right? And only when, you know, in the unfortunate situation that you have been tested positive, the authorities then say that, you know, can I access your data to understand who has been in close proximity with you and then we can contact those people, right? But across this whole uh, process, uh, uh, no personal data is, is actually being exchanged. So, so your view is that people, while there are concerns, is that people should essentially trust when it's a government thing that, I mean, because the they've already made the declarations, right, that the data will be safely protected and deleted once is no longer useful to them? Yeah, I think those are really all good practices. I think, uh, of course, it, it doesn't just apply to government. I think there are strict laws in Singapore now that governs, you know, how data is being used. And um, many, many organizations are following the same principles, right? Where, you know, we make sure that data is stored uh, correctly and securely. We we allow uh, customers to to opt in into certain initiatives, and organization has also to um, declare what do they use the the data for and the purpose for it, and we only use it for that uh, purpose. And we allow people to have the option to you know request for deletion of data. So I think those are all um, uh, um, guardrails that uh, not just the government follow, but the organization like us follows as well. And, and where do you stand on the debate right now about whether stuff like trace together should be made compulsory or mandatory to have in your phones and so on? Like, um, at what point should it be like an opt-in basis or, or do you think there's some sort of middle ground they can reach with the authorities trying to nudge people, more people to get to, to download it voluntarily? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, personally, I think that, uh, I mean, I, I personally use the app a lot and uh, personally, I think that this is this is a, a good initiative that uh, we should all take out. I mean, the alternative would be to use a more invasive method like the uh, safe entry, right? Which, you know, um, probably is, is, is a little bit more invasive in the sense that, you know, more data is being disclosed. Um, trace together is better. In my personal view, I think it's, it's a good middle ground because uh, essentially, you know, um, we we no information is actually being shared until there's a need to do so. So, um, but the only feedback, the only fallback is a, a bad point is that, you know, we do need everybody to download it. We do need everybody to turn it on. We do need everybody to participate and to reach a certain uh, critical mass before it's effective. So until, you know, we reach those sort of stage, uh, a more uh, invasive method like safe entry will, will still have to, to be in place. So for me, I, I think um, it's a good initiative. I would definitely uh, personally use it. And, and do you see like with the pandemic stretching on for some time, do you think like um, apps and like uh, online services like this, like safe entry and so on, they become like a, a new norm? Do you think people will get adjusted to having like their movements more monitored? Yeah, I, I think that it's going to be a new norm, at least until, you know, the, the, the cases is, is a lot more managed until you know, we have some sort of vaccine that's, that's actually being found for the virus. Um, I think people will, will get used to it. In fact, people will probably adjust to it, right? So um, uh, I'm, I'm not sure whether you, you do go to the supermarket, but nowadays uh, if you go to the supermarket, you see that there's a long queue outside just uh, to, to scan the, uh, the safe entry and to take the temperature. And people adjust around by, you know, taking less frequent trips to the supermarket now, right? So they do a one-week shop rather than, a, you know, couple of days kind of shop. So, so 
So people will adjust to it. If it will become a new norm, people get used to it. And I think the, the main point is really that uh, people see the need for it because it's also to protect their own, uh, own safety as well. How about how do you feel about when like private companies get involved in the building of this kind of like tracing technology? Because like recently Apple and Google announced a software tool that is going to allow countries to build their own contract tracing apps, but also base them off their own privacy centric models. Do you think there's a, there's any kind of concerns when like these private enterprises get involved? Yeah, I think uh, it's, a, it's an additional layer that we have to think through because uh, um, in the, uh, I mean, there's pros and cons, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I mean, one of the reasons why uh, the take-up rate for, for trades uh, together may not be as high as we want to be. Uh, one is, of course, uh, the data concern. The other one is, of course, the fact that you have to turn on the app and you have to keep it active mm-hmm. before it actually is effective in tracing. I think where the uh, technology companies like Google and Apple is coming in is that, you know, they try to make it into an OS level kind of features where, mm. you know, maybe you don't have to do that sort of uh, upfront, you know, app uh, turning it on at a point in time. Um, so it, it tries to trace the effect. But of course, it, it starts to get into the point of that, you know, if that's the case, then could these companies then use uh, the data um, for their own purpose, right? So, um, I mean, for one, myself, I, I think that, uh, it, you know, these companies have been uh, doing these sort of things for a long time. So if you're not aware, you know, say, say for example, Google Maps actually anonymously um, look at your phone location and when you're using it to, mm-hmm. to try to look at the traffic, right? So mm-hmm. they advise people in terms of, you know, where there, are, there might be traffic jams and things like that. So I think they've been involved long enough to understand and to to really appreciate that uh, data privacy is, is a, is a, is a big concern for consumers. And if they break that trust, then, you know, on a longer term basis, you know, you know, their, their company shares might, might go down as well. So I don't, I, I don't think they, they will, they will want to do that. Uh, so for, for the purpose of, uh, um, uh, keeping the data, they will still, uh, fight by the laws in the, in the individual countries as well. And do you think that people nowadays are more savvy about data privacy and all that? I remember when, when a lot of the apps first came out, everybody was like, Wee, let's just use them. But now I, I sense there's a greater awareness to the point where they are starting to demand of the companies that they maintain a certain level of uh, integrity when it comes to using data. Yeah, definitely. And and I think uh, through this uh, whole pandemic and as we get more than now digital, I think the, the awareness will definitely go out. And and I also see that uh, there are probably differences in, in in demographics as well. Like uh, for for my son, you know, he's uh, seventeen, and and you know, he gives away his uh, his uh, digital ID freely, right, to anybody, right. So, but for people like us, we we tend to be a little bit more careful. And I, I think that uh, over uh, a long period of time, people will 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 understand that there is a difference between. Um, the the organizations, whether it's a government or, or companies, that is uh, that has a, generally uses the data for for specific purposes and followed by certain rules versus uh, scanners that uh, is probably out there to try to the to to take your data and steal your data for other purposes as well. So um, and over time they will they will you know we will be able to then uh, recognize what's genuine and what's not and uh, and really then. Um, you know, uh, contribute to to the genuine effort itself. So, on that note, how do you how should a person assess the trustworthiness of a site or app that's asking for your personal information? Like, um, yeah, what what can they do to protect themselves? 
Yeah, I think uh, there, there, are, there are many ways. I mean, of course, the uh, scammers are, uh, are getting uh, a, a lot more uh, intelligent nowadays and they use uh, all sorts of methods, right? So uh, I think, uh, of course, uh, you know, uh, on, on a day-to-day use, uh, you know, you... I think there are good practices that uh, people can follow, um, making sure that, you know, you always keep your, your computer and, and phones updated, make sure that you, you, you uh, set complex passwords and, and don't share passwords across different type of uh, places. Um, you know, make sure you install virus protection. And uh, I think more importantly, uh, when you are, when a consumer is sharing personal data, Make sure that uh, you only share it um, when there's a need to. Um, so let me give you an example. Say, for example, if you are uh, going to a new website, right, and and it's the very first time you're signing up for an account, um, if there is no need to to tell the the organization where you stay, what's your phone number, what's your ID, which I think most likely there wouldn't be a need when you first sign up, then don't do it, right? Just a essential email and some sort of password will allow you to get in. Only uh, there is a genuine purpose to do it. For example, if you're actually making a purchase and you have actually validated that the, the site is actually genuine, then um, then you actually can devalue your, your personal information. So I think those are, are, are some of the good practices. But I think um, one of the uh, the, the uh, things that Fraudster are, are trying to leverage on nowadays is uh, social engineering, right? Where where they they try to leverage on certain factors like fear, you know, or similarity to certain familiar website that that you might think that it is actually, you know, oh that that looks like a, a bank website that I always visit and you know I'm, I'll really just key my password and ID. So I think those are other things that the consumer might need to look look for as well, um, just to make sure that you know we don't get trapped by these kind of foster activities. Are there are there any particular types of like um how do you say? fraudulent sites that people should look out for or there are particular blind spots even for savvier like um, app and internet users? Yeah, I think that uh, um, end of day, uh, it's, I, I would always stay, stay on the safer sites. I mean, trust the bigger brands, right? So if you are, if you are doing your, your online uh, shopping and you are devouring your, your disclosing your credit card details, make sure that you know, you only go to those trusted um, uh, sites, right? Mm-hmm. So there are typically certain sort of certification that you look out for and uh, look out for reviews as well. I mm-hmm. think that's one of the things that uh, you should uh, try to look out for if it is the very first time that you're making a purchase on that site. Uh, I tend to avoid um, uh, those uh, sites that is uh, that, that's new until I, I actually have seen somebody making purchases on it or myself has, has tried it. Mm-hmm. Even if it's the first time I'm doing it, I try to make a small purchase uh, first before that I, I actually make a big one. I also try to use, you know, um, only one credit card for, for online purchase rather mm-hmm. than, than the other so that, you know, in the event that there is something, you know, that's wrong, I, I can at least block that one card and, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't uh, 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 allow them to steal uh, all the information that I have. Okay, and how, and how about social, the world of social media? Like you said, your son gives out his information quite freely and I'm sure he's on stuff like Instagram, now there's TikTok. There's so many new apps that like younger people are just quick to jump on. Um, do you, what, what, what kind of uh, message would you give to them to like be wary about what you give out? Because it's a different world from online purchasing, yeah? Exactly. So I think if it is the, the social sites, I think 
we have to really understand that uh, you know whatever you post on social sites is in the uh, invisible to everybody around the world. So you really have to be careful in terms of what you post. Um, there is a advice that I give these people in the sense that uh, um, if you might want to consider creating two accounts, right? One is more for for your personal um, kind of needs, where you know you only um, choose the friends and share information with people that's close to you and you know who they are. And in those uh, in that account, you could probably share uh, you know information that or, or photos or things that's a little bit more private in, in nature. And uh, you can always uh, create a, a more public account where, you know, if you intend to, you know, share and increase your 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 public uh, profile, and maybe that, that is the, the account that you want to do it. And whichever uh, way to do it, uh, everybody needs to be aware that whatever you share on social media is in the public view of everybody in the world. Uh, yes, I, I think it's something that people learn a lot of very painful lessons from sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, and in terms in the world of like um, like business, like during the pandemic, more and more businesses are going online. What what can they do to ensure that their own data and that of their customers is secure? Um, so I think uh, 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 there's a few ways of doing it, right? So it, for for the bigger enterprises with the the right resources and the right level of expertise. Um, I mean, setting up their own uh, um, servers and online uh, shop and infrastructure will be there. And there are uh, tons of uh, uh, good practices for security that they can actually put in place, uh, following and, and allowing them to abide by the local laws. And uh, for the smaller enterprises, which I think is the majority of uh, those that is now jumping onto this uh, whole uh, digital presence, mm-hmm. um, there are partners that they can work with um, that uh, will have already done it and essentially they could leverage on their expertise and their infrastructure to get their online presence. So I see, I've seen a lot of, um, you know, uh, the smaller uh, restaurants, the mom and pop mm-hmm. store that is actually using that kind of approach now where, you know, um, they actually uh, buy into an account and buy into a space mm-hmm. where these uh, vendors or these uh, providers actually help them with uh, all the, uh, the the data security cell things for setting up the infrastructure mm-hmm. and then they focus just purely on the business itself. Do you, do you think this is a good trend with everybody getting onto the digital bandwagon? Do you think it's something that's finally, it's been waiting to happen, but it finally has? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, definitely, I think people are seeing the advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes, uh, it usually takes one, one, one event to make it happen, right? And I mm-hmm. think that's the thing that goes on now that say that, you know, COVID is, is probably the, the biggest um, push towards the digitization that we ever have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it, it is a good change. I think I look at it very positively. I think um, from this point onwards, uh, I think digital is not just one thing that people say they will do. You have to be part and puzzle of how our business is being run from now onwards. Okay. And um, in terms of your, your field of expertise, like, which is AI, um, how is it being used to help like prevent fraud and ensure data security? Like from your own from your own experience in in the work that you do. Yeah, so I think uh, uh, it's all about data, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, within a bank, we 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 do a lot of uh, um, we build a lot of AI models to try to uh, detect uh, fraud as well. So um, uh, in a in a world of credit card space, uh, I think that's one area that many consumers have been hit and, and is concerned of. Mm-hmm. So on top of uh, many of the measures that's put in place. Um, AI has now also been, been deployed to to try to pick up 
some of those uh, patterns that is actually not very um, common mm-hmm. and really what we call the uh, unknown unknown new style and new mm-hmm. patterns that uh, that the foster is, is actually using and uh, you know given a, a, a normal human doing an investigation on these cases it's probably a little bit more difficult to pick it up but mm-hmm. uh, you know for AI you know looking at a lot of different kind of, uh, uh, information it becomes a little bit easier. Do you think we'll get to the point where we like more fully trust AI to ensure our data security more so than individual people who can be like, you know, susceptible to wanting to being greedy, wanting to scam the system and so on? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, it, it all down to how we use it, right? So um, I think uh, for now, uh, although we, we are always keeping our eyes on, on the scenario where, you know, will, will we ever come to a day where, you know, the robot takes over the world, I think we're very, very far away from that. How we are actually using a lot of AI technology now is really to augment the human in in, in our decision making, right? So, um, where where there are a lot of uh, data involved, uh, uh, AI is actually very good at uh, uh, seeding through these and mining these uh, tons of data for for specific patterns. Uh, and then humans are, are really good at making decisions that's a little bit more complex. So how we see that partnership going uh, on now is really um, whenever certain of these patterns is being detected, the human is being alerted. Mm-hmm. And the human still makes the final decision and the call to to decide whether a case is fraud, to decide whether an investigation takes place, mm-hmm. to decide whether you know a certain thing needs to be done. So I think that gut reel is still in place and uh, I, I don't think we, we, are, we are very near you know the, the scenario or whether the robots should take over the world that's good to know and uh, from just the last question in the big picture from a data security or tech standpoint do you think the pandemic could actually end up changing the world for the better is, is there a silver lining to all of this uh, definitely uh, i mean uh, the uh, on the uh, fact that uh, we still need of course need to overcome the, the virus and make sure that we get the uh, the infection in control and um, but I think at the end of the day, people uh, realize now that uh, we live in a world where people interact with each other and we live in a world where, you know, there, there are better use of uh, technology like this and uh, not just to look at the, the negative side, but uh, there's, there's definitely also the positive side. And if we put the necessary guardrail in place, that's a, that's a right way of how we can actually deploy these things. Okay, well, thank you very much, Ken. That was, that was a very informative conversation. Thank you very much, Danny. And that's it for this week's episode of On The Mic. If you have any feedback or suggestions for topics you'd like us to explore, do feel free to log in and leave us a comment. Until next time, this is Dani Osman signing off.